morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 4th of August, and my name is Helen Freem. So we had another rate hike from the Bank of England yesterday. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague, Lucia Chachulovic. And then I'll be asking Tim Gagey what this means for the British pound, as well as getting all his latest thoughts on currency markets. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Lucia. Hi, Helen. So I remember last time we spoke, Lucia, we concluded that both central banks and earnings are currently driving financial markets. And I believe this is still the case. So with inflation still high, yesterday, the Bank of England hiked rates for the 14th time in a row, and it also cut its GDP forecast. Could you tell us a bit more about their decision, please? Sure, Helen. So the Bank of England increased the bank rate by 25 basis points to 5.25%, which marks a new 15-year high. Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey warned that further rate rises may be on the cards if inflationary threats persist. Our economists expect one more rate hike at the next meeting, which should conclude the rate hike cycle at a terminal rate of 5.5%. As for the GDP outlook, the Bank of England cut its growth forecasts for the next two years, expecting GDP to grow by 0.5% in 2023 and 2024, and by 0.25% in 2025. Overall, this means that it expects UK GDP in 2026 to be 0.75% lower than forecast in May this year. And speaking of rate decisions, the Bank of Thailand hiked rates as expected by 25 basis points to 2.25%, also citing inflation concerns, and it is also turning more cautious on the growth outlook amid weak exports and political uncertainty, with the vote for PM and new government formation delayed again. Now turning to earnings, Apple and Amazon both reported yesterday They're both considered to be part of the so-called Magnificent Seven group that have been leading the market rally this year. So how were their quarterly results? So starting with Apple, the company missed revenue expectations as it posted its third straight quarter of falling sales and predicted a similar performance in the current period. It is being hit by an industry-wide slump that has weakened demand for phones, computers and tablets. Um, Meanwhile, Amazon shares rose after it gave a sales outlook that beat estimates on a strong performance from its main e-commerce business. So Apple's shares dropped nearly 3% in after-hours trading, while Amazon stocks gained around 9%. And this rise in Amazon helped offset the disappointment in Apple and led US stock futures higher. We also still have economic data coming out with the U.S. non-farm payrolls and U.S. unemployment rate in focus today. But yesterday, we already got a glimpse into the health of the U.S. labor market. What can you tell us about that? So the report yesterday underscored resilient U.S. demand for workers, while separate numbers showed productivity jumped the most since 2020. This is helping to offset rising labor costs. As for today's uh, non-farm payrolls, forecasts believe that the U.S. has added 200,000 jobs in July. And while this would be the weakest print since the end of 2020, it's still a strong advance historically. And I would also like to mention U.S. services PMI data from yesterday, which came in at 52.3, still in the so-called economic expansion zone. Okay, let's see then what numbers we get today. 
Um, now, we also have to talk about yields. There's been modest upward pressure on longer dated US Treasury yields that started last week and has been amplified by Fitch downgrading US sovereign debt. Could you tell us a bit more about what's going on here? Now, Bloomberg is saying that the mood in the world's bond market is rapidly souring. A surge in long-term yields to their highest level since November has seen the Treasury market shed all its gains for 2023 and crushing hopes for a rebound from last year's record 12.5% loss. The move has spilled over to bond markets from Europe to Asia-Pacific as traders pull back bets on the world's biggest economy falling into recession. Interestingly, the U.S. Treasury yield curve has steepened quite sharply as a result of the turmoil, with short-dated bonds barely moving. This simply means that the market has priced in a higher-term premium for U.S. Treasuries, or in other words, buyers want to be compensated more for holding longer-dated debt. Okay, interesting. Um, Meanwhile, in China, the central bank said it would increase funding support for the private sector. And it's also pledged to invigorate capital markets and boost investor confidence. Uh, How are Asia-Pacific markets performing after this news? So the supportive comments by the People's Bank of China were certainly welcomed. Mainland China and Hong Kong stocks climbed in an otherwise lackluster day for Asian equity markets. Stocks in Japan, South Korea and Australia were mostly trading flat. You just mentioned Hong Kong. They're also in the news this morning for their efforts in crypto. What's the story here? And do you also have maybe a few words on oil and gold? Sure. So um, Hong Kong gave out its first licenses under its new crypto regime. Those went to Hash Key Exchange and OSL. This move is seen as legalizing the retail trading of tokens in the city as officials seek to foster a global hub for the digital asset sector. And elsewhere in commodities, oil rose after Saudi Arabia extended its one-sided production cut for another month, and it hinted that deeper cuts may be on the way, putting futures on track for a sixth weekly gain and adding to inflationary pressures. Gold was little changed this morning. And looking ahead to today, what can investors expect? So European shares are set to break their losing streak as futures point to gains at the open. We already mentioned that traders are waiting for the key U.S. jobs data for hints on what's next for the U.S. Fed. Other expected economic data in Europe include industrial production for France and Spain, as well as Eurozone retail sales. Great. Thank you very much, Lucia, for the roundup this morning. Thank you, Helen. Now, Tim, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, Helen. Nice to be here. Let me ask you first about the Bank of England, who, as we heard, hiked rates by 25 basis points yesterday. What did this mean for sterling? Yeah, indeed, they uh, they hiked by 25 basis points. There was a little bit more than 25 basis points priced in, and clearly some people were hoping for a 50 basis point hike as the initial reaction to the hike and also what was perceived to be some dovish-ish comments from uh, Bailey and, and friends uh, took cable down to almost 126. But that was, it felt like an overreaction. It turned out it was an overreaction, actually a good buying opportunity. And we're basically back to 127 or just above this morning. Um, the interest rate differential between pound and dollar is positive, And I don't think the Bank of England are yet done. I think the changes they made to language were pretty mild yesterday, really, and not enough to uh, to start panicking, especially as sterling really on a slightly long, sort of medium long term basis really is still 
I think, fairly cheap. So I don't really see any reason to change the view that this dollar rally overall is an opportunity and actually sterling is, is a good vehicle uh, to express um, selling a few dollars and, and buying a few pounds. Because I think from here, we should at least uh, test again the sort of 130, 132 levels before too long. And generally, pressure has been for higher US rates. Has this translated into a higher dollar? And do you think that will continue to be the case? Yeah, it has uh, It has led to a higher dollar. And it's interesting, I think I probably said this before, but how fast things change and how careful you have to be uh, trying to uh, put too much sort of credibility into, into what the market might be saying or doing at any particular moment. I mean, just a few weeks ago, people were talking about, or maybe the Fed cutting idea had sort of drifted away, but certainly that they were done. The ECB and the Bank of England, the full throttle, have lots to do. And now we've almost done a 180 where people are now starting to talk about the Bank of England being done, the ECB being done, the Fed needing to hike more. US 10-year goes up to almost the levels of uh, towards the end of last year, where let's, forget, let's not forget the dollar was uh, significantly stronger at that point. And as usual, for me, the market always just goes too far too fast because everybody doesn't want to just trade what's in front of them. They want to try and trade what's ahead of them because that's ultimately how you make money trading any market. So I think this dollar's strength is probably exaggerating a little bit what the Fed might do from here and what other central banks won't do from here. Uh, And so, as I said uh, before, here on the desk, we see this dollar rally as a as an opportunity, as something I'd rather sell into. Uh, I'm not sure we're necessarily going to very, very easily, uh, you know, collapse down and say euro up to sort of 115 or cable up to 135. But still, I think that's the direction we go. Um, at some point over the next three to six months, I would expect to see again a slightly weaker dollar. Uh, so I don't think that this shift in rates indicates a, a big change in the way the dollar is going to trade. Okay. Uh, Now, we talked about the yen last Friday after the Bank of Japan adjusted their yield curve control. What's happened to the yen this week? Total false alarm. We saw a little brief flurry of yen strength, just to think around the time that that, that we spoke last week or maybe just before. And um, from there, it it just really pulled back very, very quickly. And it feels like now the Bank of Japan have taken one very tiny step the market wants to really test them and say, OK, fine, what are you made of? What are you willing to accept in terms of yen weakness? Um, you know, there's, there's commentary yesterday from uh, from a Japanese official talking about the fact that they still see deflation as the uh, as the main issue. And of course, in that sense, the, uh, the yen ought to weaken significantly, but it already has. And central banks are very good at telling you what they're doing. They're just very bad, deliberately so, at telling you what they're going to do. So at some point, the yen will recover. And when it does, it will recover very, very quickly. And it'll be a painful position for anyone being short. But the difficulty is it's just so expensive to hold a long yen position against pretty much anything, even Swiss francs, but especially you hold the position against dollars, pounds. It's costing you sort of five or six percent a year to be long yen. So you better be right quick. And if you're not right quick, it just bleeds out. So honestly, for the yen, I still think it's better to steer clear. If you see that, if you really feel like the tide is turning, um, I might think about buying a call on the yen. So a put on dollar yen or a put on sterling yen or Aussie yen or something like that. But really, otherwise, I'd, I'd be really, really careful uh, about taking that position just because the yen's cheap, because it's cheap in terms of valuation, but it's very, very expensive in terms of being long the currency. 
Okay. Um, and what opportunities do you and your team see in the FX world today then overall? So one thing we're looking at quite a lot here is taking advantage of the strong Swiss franc. Uh, we spoke about it last week, the fact that it's really been the best performing currency of 2023, or it certainly was seven days ago. Um, the nice thing about it is that it's very strong and uh, you get a positive carry by being short Swiss francs against dollars, euros, obviously sterling, meaning that even if you just trade it via a simple forward, you get a nice pickup of a few percent uh, and a pretty decent entry point. But if you start looking at some derivatives, reverse convertibles, accumulator, bullish TARF, they all price up really, really well. My personal favourite is returning to sterling again. Um, so sterling, Swiss being long the pound, it's been trading in a range of 110 to 115 pretty much uh, for the last 12 months. Any time we broke out briefly below that was during the uh, rather unfortunate and short-lived mini budget disaster. But even then, it didn't like it down there at all. But with the positive carry, um, you can get easily a strike below 107 for an accumulator or a bullish tarp. And that is, a, I think, a really super level to be buying pounds against Swiss francs. Um, so that's probably my favorite idea right now. And I think and it's one I've been looking at for a while, but I think right now, especially after yesterday's move, it, it prices up really nicely. Otherwise, I think, as mentioned, we would continue to look at selling dollar strength where you can. As I said, we still believe the outlook remains on the weak side for the dollar into the end of this year. So I think that's uh, all for me. So thank you, Helen, for the chat and thank you to the listeners for um, listening. And I wish you all a great weekend. Great. Thanks very much, Tim, for sharing your thoughts. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We'd love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week. I'll be back on Monday talking to more of my colleagues about what is moving markets. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.